Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, thanks for being with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got your stool ready for you, and we're happy to report there are once again two good martinis. One of them has a slightly bitter aftertaste, but uh, we're very, very happy with the first one. The third one uh, is probably best categorized as crazy, and it'll focus on a Biden cabinet official we haven't talked about that much so far in this administration. But let's start with good martini number one. This is a midterm election year, and of course, we would like to see Republicans, and in particular, strong conservatives do well, whether they're running for office for the first time or whether they're running for re-election. There are certain races that are more marquee matchups than others, especially if they uh, could potentially have a significant impact on 2024, and one of those is the Florida governor's race. Uh, Four years ago, Ron DeSantis scored a very narrow victory over Democrat Andrew Gillum. And now the Democrats desperately want to take him out. So he's not a threat to Biden or whoever uh, the Democratic nominee is in 2024. But a new Mason-Dixon poll suggests that DeSantis right now has a pretty healthy lead against the three major Democrats. He's over 50 percent against all three. Statewide, DeSantis leads former Republican governor and current Democratic congressman Charlie Crist by a 51 to 43 percent margin. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, who's clearly trying to be the progressive candidate here, uh, trails DeSantis 53 to 42. And State Senator Annette Taddeo, who I must admit I don't know anything about, uh, trails DeSantis 53 to 37 percent. Uh, when you look at the polling of Democrats, 44 percent of them want Chris to be the nominee, 27 percent want Nikki Freed, and 3 percent are for Taddeo. But, Jim, uh, some people are wondering whether the overall numbers are accurate when you look at the independent numbers. you got to figure the Republicans are overwhelmingly for DeSantis. But when it when they go uh, matchup by matchup, the independents pick DeSantis 56-33 over Chris, 59-31 over Freed, and 59 26 over Tadio, which are huge margins among independents. So uh, uh, this is going to be one that the Democrats uh, have circled and starred on their calendar. And right now, uh, it's looking like Ron DeSantis is uh, looking pretty strong. Greg, we should keep in mind that based on the past, I think it's really the last three gubernatorial races in Florida, these are blowout numbers. Uh, <laughs> you know, DeSantis won a very close race against Gillum back in uh, 2018, and Rick Scott won both of his races by about a percentage point or two, if I'm remembering correctly, and it's after you know huge high spending races. Florida is an expensive state, so if you are not a well-known statewide official, you've got a real, uh, you know, real uphill climb. Uh, a lot of a lot of markets, a lot of TV, you know, markets that are you know expensive ad rates and things like that. Uh, by the way, current representative Charlie Crist used to be governor, and I figure his name ID has got to be really high up there. So there's really no reason to think that Charlie Crist is going to dramatically change these numbers. People know who he is. They remember him as governor, and they don't seem all that impressed with him. Um, this was, you know, Florida is a used to be a purple state. I think we can now say it's a red state or certainly is trending red. Um, and yet my suspicion is, based on what we're seeing here and the uh, just saturation coverage of what Ron DeSantis does in the national press. I suspect whoever the Democratic nominee is is going to get a whole bunch of donations, and you're going to have a, a phenomenon that is similar to Jamie Harrison in South Carolina, uh, Beto O'Rourke down in Texas back in 2018. Democrats convince themselves that they're going to knock off their least favorite 
uh, Republican. Mitch McConnell has been that figure for a couple of cycles. They don't really pay much attention to what the, the dynamics of the state are. And, you know, the Democratic nominee in these races can usually say, don't you hate Mitch McConnell? Don't you hate Ted Cruz? And they rake in tons of money. You know, Jamie Harrison did the same thing against Lindsey Graham. Quinnipiac kept saying it was a uh, close race. It was not. Graham won by a comfortable 10-point margin. Look, you know, by by recent standards, these are blowouts. And I know that a lot of more progressive activists are more excited about Nikki Freed. You know, an 11-point margin. Yeah, there's some race. There's plenty of race ahead. But, uh, you know, I, I don't look at that and figure in a year like this, you should be expecting some sort of huge comeback from Nikki Freed. So it's, you know, it, it wasn't just that uh, Ron DeSantis needed to win re-election if he wanted to run for president. You wanted to have an authoritative win. You didn't want to have one where you win by the, the skin of your teeth. And right now, it looks like he's going to have a nice, solid uh, eight to conceivably double digit and maybe well into double digit margin of victory. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a vacuum, Florida is a pretty Republican leaning state, I think more and more so at this point. And I remember all the way back in 2002, because of what had happened in 2000, it's like, oh, it's going to be a nail biter with Jeb Bush running for reelection. And he, he won easily uh, in, in 2002. And really, I mean, the Democrats haven't won this race since 1994, when Lawton Childs beat Jeb Bush. Jeb won twice. Uh, Charlie Crist won as a Republican, then Rick Scott twice, now DeSantis. And so uh, there are very competitive races, as you mentioned. But uh, between DeSantis's strong track record, uh, the national political wins obviously blowing uh, against the Democrats right now, this ought to be good not only for DeSantis, but also Rubio running statewide and, uh, you know, any competitive House races there as well. So, uh, so far, so good in Florida, but obviously we've got almost nine months to go. In the meantime, let's talk about other things. There's surviving politically, and then there's just surviving in general in terms of your outdoor gear. And that's where our brand new sponsor, BattleBox, can come in very, very handy. So how are you going to find your new favorite piece of outdoor gear? Well, it's easy if you sign up for a BattleBox because it finds you. BattleBox is your go-to monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. Getting the best gear for yourself not only takes time, but can be incredibly expensive. That's why BattleBox brings you name brand, high quality products every month at half the price of what they would cost on their own. You just pick the box that works for you and get tested and vetted products that you can trust that are selected by an expert team of outdoor professionals. From an Aquapod emergency water kit to an Atomic Bear survival bivy delivered right to your doorstep each month. BattleBox has shipped more than 1 million boxes since 2015 and has been featured everywhere from the New York Times to Survivor's Edge. Fantastic products. Jim and I have both gotten the BattleBox, and there's a lot of high-quality, uh, very usable gear there. I love the, the knife that comes in the metal sheath. Felt like Paul Hogan, you know? That's not a knife. This is a knife. And uh, you've got uh, you've got rations. You've got uh, a small solo stove there. Uh, lots of things that you can need. Water filtration. All sorts of things. So find out why outdoor enthusiasts call BattleBox the best gear I never knew I wanted. Sign up. Receive and survive. What are you waiting for? Don't miss another BattleBox mission. And from right now until March 31st, get a free mystery box worth $115 or more with any new subscription at trybattlebox.com slash martini. That's a free mystery box worth $115 or more right now at trybattlebox.com slash martini. And that's spelled T-R-Y-B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X. So don't, don't use the E there. Trybattlebox.com slash martini. 
All right, Jim, on to our second good martini now. And the avalanche of mask and vaccine mandates continues so much that one of the most left-leaning cities right here in our backyard is following suit. The mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, announcing Monday that the city will end its requirement for people entering businesses to show proof of vaccination starting this week. I think it actually starts today. And will lift its mask mandate for businesses starting on March 1st. Bowser cited a sharp decline in cases in the Omicron wave as justification for the loosening of restrictions. The mayor pointed to the protection of vaccines and saying the situation had changed. And Jim, the numbers uh, are definitely down. We've we've chronicled that certainly over the past couple of weeks. You've done an excellent job of doing so in the jolt as well. Uh, I'm guessing their economic numbers were also well down. So uh, the convergence of those two hopefully made this an easy decision and they don't backtrack at any point here. But this one, this good martini does have a bitter aftertaste, meaning that, uh, yes, if you're, this is great news for everyone, except D.C. school kids. <laughs> you, as of this point, you still have to wear masks forever, kids. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay to go to bars. Okay to do everything else. Grownups can cough in each other's faces. But you, sorry, you got to keep uh, doing that. No, you, by the way, you should not cough in each other's faces. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of weeks ago, we went into the city, went to see a exhibit at the Smithsonian Arts and Industries Museum. And uh, then we went to the uh, went to have a lunch and we went into an Asian restaurant and it is now such a pro forma. Yeah, we got to do this. I think we we didn't have our cards on us. We have a picture of them on our phones. The hostess at the front desk is not checking, you know, it's not expert at checking ID. She all you have to I could have shown her a picture of anybody's. Uh, they're not checking your IDs against the name on the card or anything like that. This is a hassle. This is a pain. Nobody in the restaurants wants to do it. And oh, by the way, you know, Omicron cases are down 80 percent over the last month. So the Omicron wave is ending. It's time to get back to normal. It's time to stop turning everything into Checkpoint Charlie when you want to go to a restaurant. Let everybody go through their lives. Go, you know, if, if you haven't gotten vaccinated at this point, you assume those risks. You you have decided, I know it, I'm confident. Maybe you've had uh, COVID in the past, you got natural immunity in that case. All right, fine. You know, keep an eye on it, but uh, take your vitamins, try to take, stay in good health. But yeah, you're probably going to be fine. This was a ludicrous regulatory imposition on restaurants and bars. Um, yes, they're already in the business of checking IDs, but we have a, you know, the suspicion of those under 21 trying to get to drink is a much bigger issue than people coming in with a, you know, fake card or something like that. It was always ludicrous. You know, uh, Muriel Bowser, the mayor, ignored the rulings whenever she felt like it at events. Um, the masking rules were stupid. And it's time to, you know, acknowledge the fact that Omicron that, you know, first of all, Delta is gone. Omicron is now endemic and everybody's already had it. Lots of people have immunity. It's time to let everybody move on with their lives. No, I think that's exactly right. And uh, but like you said at the very beginning, so I guess we do have, a, again, a negative caveat in one of these. The kids are the last ones. And we've seen from start to finish that they're the least likely to be severely affected by this. But it's not just here. New York's doing the same. Illinois is doing the same. I assume California is probably going to do the same thing whenever they peel back, um, you know, their their restrictions on, on indoor masking and, and so forth. I don't understand why the kids are always last. Is it just because Randy Weingarten has, has, has the ear of everybody in power? Uh, it's they don't vote, Greg. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Your politicians have to listen to them. They barely listen to the parents as is. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I'm not going to take the bait. I don't want 16-year-olds to vote. We're not going down that road. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe we should listen to the parents, though, because they do vote. I mean, or at least they can. Greg, if we yeah. allowed kids to vote, we'd probably end up electing, you know, T. 
TV hosts or something. And, you know, <laughs> you know we'd be dealing with foreign leaders who are comedians or something like that. <laughs> OK, on to uh, even better news. Uh, and of course, like Jim said, uh, try to keep yourself in as good a health as possible. And part of that is getting enough sleep. And if you want uh, the best sleep possible, you want fantastic products from my pillow. But not only are you getting fantastic products, you are getting massive, massive discounts. And who doesn't love a great deal? Now, when you click on the My Listeners page and enter the promo code Martini at MyPillow.com, there are over 20 deals for you to choose from, including MyPillows as low as $19.98, MySlippers at 50% off, MyPillow towel sets at their lowest price ever, just $39.99, 60% off any Giza Dream Sheets with a price as low as $39.99. And you'll get a free copy of Mike Lindell's book when you use the promo code Martini. You know, when you're thinking about those my slippers, and I don't mean my slippers, I mean the my slippers, <laughs> you must know that it has the exclusive four-tier cushioning system, which includes the my pillow patented fill, the memory foam, the impact gel, and a sole design for both indoor and outdoor use. You will find all of these offers and more at MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Martini at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 right now. Every order using the promo code Martini will receive Mike Lindell's new book, What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO Free? MyPillow.com, promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Don't forget the code Martini for your free book. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And we've talked oh so glowingly about so many members of the Biden administration cabinet. But we haven't spent a ton of time on uh, Jennifer Granholm, the former Michigan governor. And we're still not really sure why she was picked as the secretary of energy. It's not really her area of expertise, although Michigan conservatives can tell you there's really not too many areas where you would consider that she has a lot of expertise. I do remember she was doing an interview with CNN at one point and they were asking her how to get gas prices down and she basically shrugged. So, you know, that inspires a lot of confidence. But now there's some questions basically uh, lodged by the Washington Free Beacon about uh, questions about her financial dealings. And so this is how the uh, Washington Free Beacon, as aggregated by Hot Air, has put this. Uh, first, Hot Air. Last week, Granholm was at the center of a growing storm of ethics complaints about her personal financial transactions. When the Washington Free Beacon reached out to her office for a comment, a spokesperson said there isn't time to handle such frivolous matters. They are completely bogged down with the whole global warming crisis. Quote, a depart this is from the Free Beacon now, a Department of Energy spokeswoman said the agency has no time to respond to questions about Granholm's ethics violations because it is preoccupied with rising temperatures and, quote, extreme weather events. The planet is warming faster than ever. The cost and impact of extreme weather events are intensifying. And yet what some people are spending their time on is a $400 late fee that was already paid on a clerical oversight. Spokeswoman Charisma Troiano told the Free Beacon, as we do every day. DOE and the secretary remain focused on tackling the existing climate crisis and delivering an equitable, clean energy future that will bring cheaper power, cleaner air, and good-paying jobs for more Americans. And then the Free Beacon explains, Troiano is referring to the fines Granholm incurred under the Stock Act for failing to disclose financial transactions within the mandated 45 days. And part of this may be to her connection with uh, Proterra, which is one of these green energy outfits that the Biden administration has been touting quite a bit lately. Makes me wonder if this is this administration's Solyndra. So, uh, Jim, you got to love the uh, the distraction attempts here by the Department of Energy. 
So a lot of us had said, Jennifer Granholm is the former governor of Michigan. What what does she bring to the Department of Energy? She's never really been a policy specialist in the area. Yes, she, you know, uh, you know, when you're governor of Michigan, you're closely tied to the auto industry. But beyond that, you know, for a long time, it seemed like the Biden administration was naming its cabinet officials by picking names out of a hat at random. Well, now we know, oh, Granholm's been a big investor in a particular uh, renewable car battery manufacturer. Okay, so she's got an enormous financial incentive for federal policies to go in this direction. Um, that I don't really think that thing is necessarily expertise, but that does represent a potential conflict of interest. I'm glad she sold it, but now when you're in a situation like this, I'm sorry, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. You must, you know, there's a reason the Stock Act wants the Fed officials to disclose their financial transactions because, oh, gee, you may have a financial interest in the policies you're promoting. If you are promoting people to use renewable car batteries, and you have stock in a company that makes renewable car batteries, you are using federal policy to put money into your own pocket. This is a reason people get upset about this. This is a reason why people are getting fired up about members of Congress owning this. At minimum, you'd like to think the cabinet officials would do this. No, oh, by the way, Joe Biden pledged to us. It's going to be the most ethical uh, administration in history. We're going to have the clearest and most, you know, most transparent ethical. Well, if you don't file under the Stock Act, then nobody can tell if there's a conflict of interest. So she said, oh, I did it late. It was a, it was a routine, uh, you know, the, the paperwork is so complicated. No, no, I'm sorry. You don't get these kind of excuses. Yeah, I'm glad she paid the late fee. But if you're, you know, making a ton on your stock sales, the $500 late fee, what's that? That's a rounding error. That's, that's pocket change when you're Jennifer Granholm and you've got millions of dollars of stock. This is a job for the inspector general. I hope the inspector general chooses to look into this. Um, and this whole claim of, ah, look, we're, we're too busy with global warming to answer questions about this. <laughs> Sorry, no, you don't get to use that excuse. You don't get to suspend the laws and the rules on government ethics and disclosure because you're so convinced that climate change is so serious. These laws are on the books for a reason. You don't get to waive them because you've decided you're a good person and the laws should apply to you. No, it's insane. And we see this throughout the cabinet. Hey, uh, this whole situation with the pullout from Afghanistan, it's been a complete disaster, Secretary Austin. What do you have to say about that? Oh, we've got a big white supremacy problem in the military. Let's focus on that right now. Hey, Pete Buttigieg, supply chain crisis. Have we talked about paternity leave lately? Hey, Jenny Granholm, what about your uh, financial disclosures? The planet is melting. Look, the problem you're asking me about is difficult. <laughs> so I'd really like to talk about this problem that is easy. Republicans, don't try that. You're not going to get away with it, nor should you. But uh, it's amazing how much these people do. Jim, happy Tuesday. Yeah, almost hump day, Greg. <laughs> Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hey, guys, it's Mock and Daisy from Chicks on the Right. We're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. From discussing topics like cancel culture, what's happening to our new generations, crises in our nation, and even some high-profile interviews, each week we touch on subjects that matter to us and matter to you. And we're not afraid to tell you how it is. So tune in every week to hear us talk about the things or even just get a good laugh. To find out more, go to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and subscribe.